All right, well, let's remain standing for a word of prayer. Then we'll receive the morning offering. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for another opportunity to be in your house and Father, to study your word and uh, Father, learn more about you and, and have the opportunity to grow and be more like you. We just pray, Father, that you would meet with us here this morning. We pray that your will would be done in our services. Pray, Father, you would uh, bless this offering, may it be used for your honor and glory. Pray for those on the prayer list, Father, that uh, you would lift up and heal according to your will. Pray to forgive us of our shortcomings. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thanks morning. for showing up here again. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving with your families after we had our family Thanksgiving here at church on uh, Tuesday Amen. night. Or yeah. that, was, that was great fun, good time of fellowship and plenty of food to eat. I've never had, uh, never had smoked turkey before. That was pretty good. Never, and, and then there was some ham in there, too, somebody told me yeah. or something. So I guess I didn't recognize the difference. Yeah, it was all smoked. I, yeah, it was, it was very good. So, anyways, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody okay? Good. Yes. Glad to hear that. Trying to get a little more interactive here with you folks, but boy, you just look like you're still suffering from tryptophan. Uh, isn't that the stuff that's in the turkey makes you sleepy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got that problem here. So, um, we had a very nice time with just a couple of my kids and some uh, newfound friends since we've been down here in Texas, a couple of uh, Christian folks from uh, a couple down in uh, Mineral Wells. We spent time with them over Thanksgiving and it was, it was all very nice. So anyways, a um, couple of mornings ago, we had a, uh, I get a devotion in my, in my text messaging every, every morning. From, and I've mentioned this guy a couple of times. His name is Michael Wilson from over at the Lowe's home, you, you know, the plumbing section, even though he doesn't work there and all that stuff. And I got this thing, and it's kind of, kind of in line with what, uh, with what we're talking about. So I thought I might read this to you here to get the thing started off before we have prayer requests and all this stuff. Um, as, as we get further and further into this series here, and we're, we're really, I think we're on, what, like week six now or something of this, right? And we we barely, we're just barely getting out of the introduction, and so I'm just kind of priming you guys up to really get your, your head around this business of telling people about Christ and getting comfortable with it and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things we're going to talk about down the, down the way here is objections that you're going to have. People are going to say things like, oh, you know what, I don't want to hear about any of that stuff. I don't believe in any of that. Uh, ran into a man just yesterday, as a matter of fact. He was 
friend of mine keeps his airplane out there at our place, and him and his dad were out to go for an airplane ride. And, and uh, his father was telling me how just here within about the last year and a half or so, he has come to know Christ as his Savior after 30 years of being agnostic. And uh, I said, oh, the Lord, Lord got a hold of you, did he? <laughs> he says, yeah, in a big way. He does some stuff with motorcycle riding and, and doing some, uh, you know, like going out to military funerals. and All of it done on motorcycles, it sounds like, regardless of what the weather conditions are and stuff. So that's pretty pretty crazy guy to do those sort of things and and uh, but you you just you never know when you start having conversations with people what you're going to run into and so one of the objections that you might run into here with with folks is the uh, um, uh, in, in, in this verse here in 2 Timothy 3:16 it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness. And we, we all know that, and we all believe that. I mean, that's what we base everything that we read in Scripture. We look at it, and, and there's some faith that has to get involved with that and, and what have you. But uh, mostly, mostly we believe that it is truly the Word of God. And so here's what this, here's what this writer says about this. He says, um, here's an answer you can give to the critics who claim this. Anyone could write a book and say that it is inspired by God. You know, I could write a book and say, hey, guys, I've, this was inspired by God, and so, and so here it is. All right? Our answer to that question or objection, objection down the road would be, please do. Please write that book. Yeah. Write your book. <clears throat> Give it every claim of inspiration, and let's see how it compares to the Bible in any way you want to compare it. We invite the smarter critics of the Bible to give us another Bible, something more inspired, something with more life-changing power. The great critic or professor or skeptic is surely smarter than a Galilean fisherman 2,000 years ago, having all the qualifications, all the culture, all the brain power necessary. It should be easy for them to write something greater than the Bible. It's so easy to criticize the truth, especially when I want to fit it into my own agenda. And so as we get into discussing things and the type of people that you witness to and the people that you're going to, kind of where you're going to develop a little keenness in a sense for people that want to get with, when you run across these brainiacs, these pinheads, you know, they can be very difficult to convince them that there really is a God. This Bible really is his inspired word. It's his letter to us about how we're supposed to have a reaction, uh, inner relationship with God and what have you. And boy, when I read that, I thought that is just so fitting to what we're, to what we're doing because you'll run across these people. You'll run across there. Listen, just about every person I run across in my life, no matter what it is, is smarter than I am. I'm, I to, I've told you guys numerous times, I'm like the dumbest guy that ever went to school and all. I just, I just don't do good in that academic kind of thing. But what I do do good in is I do good in having faith in Christ. I know what the Bible says. I can read it. I can get it as the Holy Spirit guides me through these things. And, uh, but, 
here when you have somebody without objection. Just remember what we read here this morning, right? Yeah, go ahead and write your own Bible. Let's see how good you are with all your degrees and all your doctorates and all your education that you have. Let's see how you compare to the guy who was running a fishing boat 2,000 years ago when he actually did have an inspiration from God and wrote this, uh, wrote this book. So anyway, all right, beautiful. How about any prayer requests, praise reports, anything happened this week that you want to share with the class? Anybody witnessed anybody? Anybody talked? I've got a new challenge for you at the end of today, okay, and it's different than the last time. All right, anybody have anything they want to, how's the prayer list coming along? Any updates on any of that stuff? You don't have the prayer list with you. Well, this is a this is a sorry prayer group. We don't even have. The <laughs> Go ahead, Jane. Okay, Mark and Dana. Dana. Dina. Oh, D I N A. Okay. All right. Sanders. Okay. What kind of time frame are they on for finding that? She's not going to kick them out. So oh, that's good. You know, they want to get out as soon as they can. Yeah. All right. Now, who, who are those folks? That's your... My son and daughter-in-law. Son and daughter-in-law. All right. All right. How about anybody else? Anything else to pray for here this morning as we get cranked up? Okay. McGinnis fan. All right. How do you know those folks, Gary? anything about her spiritual condition? I know she's Catholic. Yeah. And we probably know all we need to know about it. That's yeah. Right. That's, a, that's a sad state of affairs, really. <clears throat> all right. How about anybody else? Anybody else to comment? All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer then, and we'll get, uh, we'll get started up here this morning. Father, we thank you for the time that you've set aside here this morning for us to look into your word again. Lord, help us to uh, uh, find a place in our hearts and our minds to apply this to our lives. We think about these folks on the, on the prayer list here. We think about Mark and Dina Sanders here, that they've got an issue going on where they're going to have to maybe find a different place to live right now. And we, we thank you, uh, Lord, that the landlord of this place right now is not having to move out bef beforehand, that they're not getting kicked out of the place or anything, that they might have a little bit of time that they can look around for something that's affordable and would be pleasing to them and that would be comfortable for them to, uh, to live in. And we think about this McGinnis family here, this young lady on life support or whatever her condition is, that they might be removing her from this life support, Lord. And I would just ask that there might be some miraculous way that somebody could get in there to witness to her and that she might be coherent enough uh, momentarily to know you as Lord and Savior so that she does not have to spend an eternity in hell because we know 
um, the teachings of the faith that she's been involved with, if she's even been active in it. Lord, and I would just ask that you would bless that family, keep them focused, help them to get through the time of grieving here as they go through this in the decision-making process. Give them wisdom, Lord, and perhaps there would even be a miraculous thing would take place here that, uh, that she would have a, a moment's time to understand what the gospel is and that she would know you as Lord and Savior, and then it would be a glorious home going instead of a, uh, a, a grieving, tragic loss of someone's life here. We thank you for the things that you do for us here now. I ask that you bless all the Sunday school teachers this morning and the congregations here, Lord. Be with the pastor as he comes to preach this morning. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Yeah, those kind of things like that with this lady on the life support and everything, that just, that just grieves me. It, it, really, it really does. There's, <clears throat> you know, I think a little while back we read some statistics about how many people a day die just in America, let alone around the world, and the, the road is narrow. The road is narrow where people are believers and that their, their, their end to this life is that they go to heaven. I mean, that's just biblical. It's not anything that I'm making up. It says the path to, to righteousness and the path to salvation is a narrow road, and there's very few people that actually, actually find that path. And so it's our job here, folks, to, to be after telling people about the, about the gospel. So I'll tell you a little story about my shortcoming again here, okay, because I'm hopeful that that encourages. The guy teaching the class has failures. The guy writing the book has failures in these things. We were at, last Sunday, we went down and had uh, a lunch with uh, a couple that I had met at a men's meeting that Frank and I went to. And um, we had a nice time down there. We got all talking about the, the discipleship program and what have you. And afterwards, we had to go into the office. There was an office max or an office depot right next door. So uh, we went in there and and start, uh, got our stuff, and as we were at the checkout line, there was a young lady there, and I just, I just asked her, I said, hey, uh, I, don't even know, I don't even know how the conversation got started. It's just one of those things, the Holy Spirit just led me and, and asked her, hey, do you, you know, has anybody ever cared enough for you to tell you about Jesus? And she said, no, I, I kind of, I've heard his name, but I don't know any, well, that's just, uh, you know, she was, she was open to a discussion and everything. And so we sat there right at the head of the line. Now, I don't know if there were too many people behind us there, but we had about a five-minute long conversation with this young lady. And I just asked her, I said, is there any reason why you wouldn't just pray right now with me and, and know about Jesus? Because I've told you about him and everything, and then I would give you some guidance on it. And she did not want to do that. She was just like, eh, you know, I'd be a little uncomfortable with that, which is fine. That is, as a matter of fact, that's a thing we're going to talk about here this morning. And... Uh, I said, oh, here, let me, you know, I'll give you a gospel tract, and, and then I didn't have one with me again. We, were in, <laughs> we weren't in my, we weren't in my truck, we were in Patty's car, and I just didn't, I hadn't refilled the stock there, so I didn't have anything to, to give that little girl. But uh, um, she's been on my mind every day since then, you know. I've even thought about going, just driving back down there today, maybe she's at work and handing her that, that uh, track, even though it's about an hour and a half drive from where we're at here. But maybe that's not too much of a drive for somebody when you're talking about their eternal security. Maybe we need to maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to do that instead of going to lunch today, or go to lunch down there or something. Anyway, as a recap, uh, we talked about last week some spiritual disciplines that we have to follow, and and we talked about making sure that you're into reading God's Word. 
I would assume that most people in here probably do that pretty regular. You know, we try to, we don't do it every single day. We get behind on stuff, just probably like everybody does. Um, need to practice prayer and fasting. And, and prayer is another section of this book where it really talks about that a lot and how important it is to pray over things that we're, we're doing, particularly if you've got somebody that you've been trying to witness to for a long, long time, just praying about that person and asking God to just do something in their heart is, uh, might be the way that you can get them off a dead center where they start asking some questions where you'd have an opportunity to lead them to the Lord. Gathering with fellow believers, we're, we're here doing that right now. I don't think there's just about everybody in this room I see in this room in the same seats every time that we're in here. So that's, that's a really great thing. And then um, all those things, of course, are just a showing, showing that we're obedient to Christ. And then we talked about how evangelism is a spiritual discipline and that it needs to be practiced on a regular basis. You, you, get to, you get to, in that other book that we kind of reference here for this thing, that evangelism explosion uh, book, it talks, they have a whole chapter in there that talks about evangelism as just your way of life. And it really, it really gets to be that. If you practice it more and more, it's just like if you're out here and, you're, and you have a certain uh, style and a certain way that you drive your car back and forth to work every day or whatever. You probably have the same route you go on. You probably do it at the same speed. You probably do every, you stop at the same place to get a cup of coffee, all that kind of stuff. The more you do it, the more habitual it becomes and the more easy it is to just do it. But basically, even with your eyes closed, you can do it. It's just not that uh, difficult to do things here. All right. And then uh, we talked about that story about Mike and the, the author having lunch together and the theory of, of, or the doctrine of exclusivity. And, and I'll tell you, that really is a thing that's a stumbling block, not only for people sharing their faith, but also for people deciding to even get involved with the faith. You know, somebody might say, you're telling me there's only one way to get to God. And, and, and my response to that is, it's not me telling you, it's Jesus himself was the one who said this. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. And so, really, you don't have an argument with me about any of that stuff. You have an argument with the Bible. You have an argument with Jesus Christ himself. And if you want to argue with him, be my guest, because you're going to have a hard time winning that discussion there. So, anyways, we'll, um, we'll continue on here with the, the rest of the lesson. At the very end of last week's lesson, we, we said something along the lines of simply stated, bad theology can kill evangelism. So there's different things that you do, different things that you say, and all this stuff. But in this particular case with this guy, he just really didn't believe one of the most basic uh, parts of our doctrine. And, and, and so he was reluctant to tell people about it. I think at one point there he says, how in the world can you be excited about telling somebody about Jesus if you don't even believe in Jesus yourself, really? So that's what that was all about. All right. So the next little thing here that gets to be a stumbling block and problematic for us is we look at the uh, witnessing and talking to different people as somebody else's responsibility. Oh, you know what? I don't need to witness to anybody because Pastor Pugh will witness. And there is another church right down the street here. And surely that preacher in that church witnesses to people and what have you. So Christians can be quick to deflect responsibility, especially when it comes to evangelism. And we, 
that, that, really is, that really is true, and I've had that in my own life. Sometimes you just look at things and you either decide that you don't, you don't feel like it, you don't have time to do it, you just think that somebody else will do it. We just prayed about this lady here. Part of my prayer there was that maybe somebody would get in there to tell this woman about the gospel. You, I don't know anything about what condition she's in. She might be in a she might be so far out of this world right now that you couldn't have a chance to talk to her. But there is occasion that uh, that uh, uh, people can get out of those things momentarily, and sometimes it's just long enough to take care of something that they think secularly that they need to get taken care of. But but you hear these stories like that, and it might be the case with that with that lady. But, um, you know, in any event, there's, there's, in this case here, there's got to be somebody else to, to do it because we just don't, we can't even get over it. We don't have any way to even get to see that, that person and what have you. So anyhow, as you, as you get into this thing, uh, the, the first one here, Christians can be quick to deflect. That's one of the areas there with the underline. And speaking of that, there is... I, I think Patty might have given you all a second sheet of paper this morning. Did you give those out to everybody? That sheet is going to be further down in this particular lesson, so just keep working off the sheet that you haven't quite filled out uh, all the way, and we've, we've got more of those if you, if you need them. So um, he, here's another thing about the responsibility aspect of it. Thinking that the pastor and staff should do it because they're paid that's an underline, paid the work there. Um, that's, that's just, that's problematic in and of itself. In our particular case here, we would look at it, we'd say, well, Pastor Pugh is on the payroll, so he should get, he should be out there evangelizing. Yeah, Gary is on the payroll. We've got somebody else that's on the payroll whole role here. I think the other worker is Jamie, right? She, she cleans the church up, right? So she should be out evangelizing because she gets paid. They're paid to do this. So this guy that wrote this book here, he's talking about this, about his second time that he ever took over a church. He was called to be a pastor of, of a church, and it was going to be the second church that he was up to. And he decided to have early on in the in the uh, introductions, a little question and answer session. You know, yeah, if anybody's got any questions, just raise your hand. So he calls on somebody and, and uh, they said, so uh, Pastor Rayner, what, what is your vision for our church here? And he went on very enthusiastically about evangelizing people and just, you know, wow, we, I just really want to see church growth and I want to see people told about the Lord and people come to Christ and get baptized and all this kind of stuff. And, and we really need you guys to go out and, and spread the word about this. And he says, there's one old lady, uh, you know, she raised her hand up and said, look, pastor, that's not ever going to happen here. That's what we pay you to do. And so... Um, it, in the rest of that story in the book, he says, I've, it was the first time in my life I've ever actually heard a congregant come out and say that. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty bold to sit there and say that in front of a whole church full of people, right? And he says, but I know there's plenty of people that think it. And, and, and so there is. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people that think about all kinds of stuff, and there's always one, one lone wolf out there that will raise their hand and, and voice what everybody else might be thinking about something. But listen, we've talked all around that it's not, it's not paid people's job. It's every one of our responsibility. God said we need to go out and spread the gospel, and so it's all of our responsibility here to do this. Um, people don't feel that they have a spiritual gift 
That's an underline of evangelism. It says here, although it's widely debated whether it is one of the gifts, the lack of having the gift doesn't get you out of doing it. The Great Commission is a general commandment to all believers. Jesus didn't select people with certain gifts to do that work. In, his, uh, in the writing here, he talks about, look, it's, we don't know if these things are spiritual gifts or not. There are things that are spiritual gifts. You, you look into it, there might be somebody that's a, a better preacher. There might be somebody that's a better evangelist. There might be somebody that's a better teacher. There could be somebody that's better at doing all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to this issue of personal evangelism, we have all have a responsibility to do it. It doesn't matter that Gary is better than Steve or Dave or uh, Ms. Linda. It doesn't matter that any of us are any better or more practiced than anybody else in the room. We all still have the responsibility to do it. So this author, he says, look, I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy, and so does that mean I'm excluded from giving mercy to somebody? Well, no, that's a, that's a rhetoric question. It's a ludicrous thing to even think along those lines. So we have um, these different ways of going about these things. Some people are going to be more comfortable at doing it than, than others, but we're all supposed to be doing it. So Jesus didn't select certain uh, people with certain gifts to do the work here in Acts 1.8. It says, but ye shall receive power. So we all got the power of the Holy Spirit. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The disciples didn't go to all these locations. They couldn't go to all the, all the locations. They had to have other people that were less qualified. Who's more qualified to go tell people about Jesus than the guys that walked along with him and seen him do all the miracles? Could you imagine being in that boat and how excited you would be about, wow, man, I, I was at lunch with this guy the other day and there was this blind guy and he made him see the guy had been blind since birth. How exciting and great that would be to do that. But not everybody that went out to go spread the gospel was with Jesus every day. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the best teacher, the most disciplined person there was, the sinless man, the God-man, all that stuff, he even lost one of his disciples, right? Judas goes and turns him in at the end of the thing. I mean, it's just amazing how this whole thing comes down and what have you. But the fact of the matter is, is that there were all kinds of people. When these folks left this area here to go spread the gospel, the actual disciples, they didn't even leave right away. It was a bunch of other people that went out and did the did the work. The disciples didn't go to all these locations, even though they should have been the best equipped to. In Acts 8, 1, here it talks about Saul, and Saul was consenting unto his death, Stephen, and at the time there was a great persecution against the church which, which, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. There it is, right there in writing, except the apostles, they didn't go. Um, in this particular case, this may be something that gets people to move off a dead center. Another underlying thing here, persecution had to come upon the church to get everybody moving. So as things get closer and closer, all kinds of interesting stuff going on on this earth right now, right? With, which you hear people time and time again out on YouTube and on the internet, there's all kinds of things about, yeah, this is really it, this is the end time, here's what's going on over here. Um, I heard a little thing here, little newscast the other day, Benjamin Netanyahu on his, on his thing. That man is resolved to taking care of the problem over there in the Middle East right now. And he's not going to stop until it's taken care of. 
So where all that's headed and where it's all going is, is you know, beyond us. Only the Father knows, right? That's what even Jesus said. Only the Father knows when all these things are going to come to pass and what have you. And so um, right now it's a great time to tell people about Jesus so, and what's going on because you've got this whole secular thing, this whole worldly thing going on that can lend itself to conversations along those lines. And that's what you're, that's what you're really interested in. All right, here's another problem that we have. We all get too busy with our own lives, right? We all have the same number of hours, same number of days, and then here's some questions to consider. And I, I, I consider these myself. I mean, sometimes I get involved with some of this stuff that I probably should not be spending time on, but uh, we all have the same number of hours and the same number of days, fill in the blanks there. Consider these questions. Do you have time to look at Instagram? Now, I don't even know what Instagram is, so I don't ever spend any time looking at any of that stuff. have no idea about that. Uh, do you have time to look at Facebook? Now, I do know what that's all about. I did away with my Facebook thing that I only had years ago to keep track of my kids and what they were up to on there. But you can get sucked into those rabbit holes pretty, pretty easily. And the next thing you know, it's three hours later, and you're still not doing what you're supposed to do. All right? Do you have time to look at YouTube? Boy, that one right there is my falling down. I get out there and I watch these aviation things on YouTube, accident investigations, all kinds of stuff. Look, there's a lot of really great stuff that you can look on. There's lots of stuff to learn out there on YouTube about all kinds of different things. I, I hear people will tell me how they just, you know, overhauled their whole stereo system at home. And all they did was watch the YouTube thing. And yeah, I did that. It worked. And I, Beautiful stuff out there. There's also a bunch of filth on YouTube that can get in your eyeballs and get in your way while you're looking at things and what have you. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I, I've, I've been starting down the path of looking at some aviation things, and next thing I know, it's time to go to church on Sunday evening, and I started looking there right after we got home Sunday morning. So you can get run down in these, in these holes pretty quick. What about other, what about other social media? You have time to mess with all that stuff? Here's something to think about. We do things that are important to us. If that doesn't include telling others about Jesus, we're essentially saying we don't care if people go to heaven or hell. Now, that's, that's pretty tough. Those are, those are not my words, even though maybe they could be, but that's what the guy in the book wrote. I mean, some of that stuff right there is just direct quotes from the, the book. You know, are we really too busy to share our faith. The reality is that no one's really too busy. And here's why we shouldn't be too busy. God expects us to be a good steward of our time. We talk about stewardship. You hear that come up all the time in conversations when it concerns our faith, our church practices, and all this stuff. And most people think it just means being a good steward of your money. You know, that's where, yeah, you got to be a good steward. You tithe, you, you give to missions, you do these things and stuff. We're also supposed to be good stewards of our time, our bodies, our thoughts. We're supposed to be good stewards of everything. There's all these different things that God wants us to take care of with him and the furtherance of the kingdom in mind while we're doing it. So here's lesson one. This is going to be where we start on that additional page handout that you have there. Here's a reason why we might not want to, uh, why we might not want to tell people about the gospel. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Sometimes it's that we don't want to feel uncomfortable ourselves when we're talking about it. But well, you hate to, you hate to uh, make people feel 
bad when you're telling them different things. We're going to talk about making people feel uncomfortable, although making, making them uncomfortable is not our aim. We don't, you don't go up to somebody and say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus because I really want you to be uncomfortable about this, even though sometimes you've got to move somebody out of their comfort zone to get them to do the right, to do the right thing. So in, in business practices, I don't know if you, I don't know if you have, uh, we've got people that have done all kinds of stuff in here. Most of the people probably in this room are retired from their jobs or something, but different people have different things. I know what Patty's job was and how she did. I know what my job is and, and what have you. I don't know a lot about what you folks have done, but uh, occasionally you get into situations where you're managing people and you're having to do things and you're responsible, just like we're responsible for witnessing. We're resp you're in a job situation where you're responsible to manage people and to make sure that they're on the right track. And sometimes personnel will get off of the, off the track. They won't be doing exactly what they're, they're supposed to be doing. And so then there's, then there's a time when you got to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with them. you got to get them straightened out. Well, witnessing to somebody, telling them about Jesus is a heart-to-heart -heart talk. You don't get any more heart-to-heart -heart than that. This is a, this is a matter of a, eternal security and what have you. So... Um, this author was in a situation like that when he was 26 years old. He was uh, running this big section of this company where he, by his own admission, says, I was not qualified or had the wisdom or experience to do what I was about to do, but he had to go and have a talk with one of his workers. The guy was great at reaping all the benefits of working at the company, but he never got any of his work done. He just was not a good employee. And so... Uh, Tom Rayner here, he was, he was reluctant about doing that, didn't know how to handle it. He had no experience doing this thing. So he went to the CEO of the company, who was this old, salty, worldly, secular guy, probably never heard anything about it. probably hadn't been in church a whole bunch of times from the way I kind of read this thing. And um, um, he, this, this old CEO says to Tom this right here, he says, sometimes you need to give someone information because it's good for them. Information is good for them. And as a matter of fact, he goes on to say that sometimes the information that you're going to give to that person that's good for them is not only good for them, it's good for the entire organization. You can't have people when it comes to business things, you can't have people that aren't towing the line when they're supposed to be because it can be detrimental to the whole business, particularly if it's a small business. When you're running a company like Procter & Gamble or IBM, you can have all kinds of slackers in there and they just get buried in the peripheral of the thing. But when you got a you know, three or four man shop or something, one guy's not pulling his weight there, then uh, it can be disastrous for the business. So sometimes you have to, you have to do this. Um, it's gotta be better for the uh, organization as a whole. And in a little note I put in here, certainly everyone walking with Christ would be beneficial for the entire human race. Could you imagine what it would be like if everybody was on the same page about this, about this whole thing of Christianity? What if everybody in Bridgeport was like everybody in this room right now, all right? Barring all of our shortcomings that every one of us has. But what if that was the kind of society we lived in? What would it, what would it look like out there? What would it look like if the if the whole country was like-minded. Well, there was a guy here just the other day, I don't even know where this came from, but somebody, somebody said something along the lines of, Christianity was really a good thing when it was just Jesus. Every convert after that has, 
can kind of tend to get the thing off track. So our responsibility here in these converts and what we're doing is to, is to make sure that people are on track and when we lead them to Christ that we actually do it in the proper, the proper fashion here and everything. So telling people about Jesus might make them feel uncomfortable. It's really not that big of a, a, a deal that they're uncomfortable, particularly if the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. That's another underlying thing there. Holy Spirit does some pretty miraculous things. Most of the time when you're witnessing to people, telling them about stuff, having any of this kind of junk, when we're sitting out there under the preaching and Pastor Pugh is up here bouncing back and forth between the, the piano and the organ over, or vice versa, whatever, and, and, and telling all these things, boy, sometimes I get, I get a little bit insulted, a little bit peeved about what he's saying there. But I know the man is just preaching from the gospel. So what's causing me to have the problem? The Holy Spirit is what's causing me to have the problem. And you're going to run into the same thing when you're witnessing to people. So as long as the Holy Spirit's working on their lives, and that's why they're getting uncomfortable, you are headed in the right direction. There's no question that you're on the right track there about that. You are presenting them with good news, the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Momentary discomfort is a small price to pay for the eternal offer. Keep in mind that people are not always uncomfortable when we start gospel conversation. Sometimes you'll have people that as soon as you start to, uh, to talk to them, they're, they're going to be more than interested in what you have to say. Um, you, unless you're spending a lot of time in prisons, you're not going to have the jailer moment where he comes, what, what must I do to get saved? What do I have to do to be like you guys and all this sort of thing? But uh, you will have people that will be very, very receptive. Like that little girl there at the, at the office uh, supply store the other day. She was, she was all ears. I mean, that little girl just wanted to listen to what we had to, what we had to say there, you know. So... Um, we're not really sure what to say. This is another uh, area here where you get bogged down. Now, I've, I've mentioned it several times that our testimony is very powerful. If you run out of stuff to say, just tell somebody what God did in your life, how you got saved, how you came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't even have to explain right now what any of that means or how that works or any of this, but you just tell them what, what happened there. And then... Um, these, these things are, are so powerful, these testimonies are so powerful that just this morning when I was writing out some final notes to this thing this morning, I heard an ad on there for this um, um, podcast that comes out. Maybe some of you all have heard this. I heard about it on uh, WCRF radio, which is a radio station out of Branson, Missouri that I listen to on the internet. It's a podcast titled, This Story Matters. And it's just a, a, a podcast that's nothing but people's individual testimonies and how they come to know Christ as their Savior. And then, um, have, has anybody ever heard of these stories on the radio called Unshackled? Anybody ever heard of those things? They're, they're a, a broadcast that's done by the Pacific Garden Mission up in, in uh, Chicago, Illinois. That mission has been in business up there for like 115 years now. They do these dramatizations of people's lives and how they go. They're usually about a half hour. Sometimes they're two-part series, so they'd be about an hour long in two different episodes. Right now, I think they're up to episode like 3,900, and they do these things every Saturday. You can go right to the Pacific Garden Mission and sit in the studio and watch them make these things, tape them and everything. They're absolutely 
fantastic stories. They'll, they'll do some convicting of you if you listen to them. I listen to them all the time. You just go out there on the internet, type, type in Unshackled, and it'll pull up all of them, and, and you can go, go there and listen to these things. A couple things to keep in mind when we're talking to people. When Christians use Christian jargon, all right, you say, you say different things, it, it creates a communication gap. So you, you'll, you'll, you might tell somebody something like this, you must accept Jesus into your heart. Here's another thing you might say, you must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Author's story about this man named George, and I'll tell that here in just a second, but when you start talking in these just generalizations like that, you've got to keep in mind that some, the person that you're talking to right now, they might, they're not going to have any idea what you're even talking to, talking to them about some people that you talk to, they may have, they have never even heard the name of Jesus. And certainly if they've heard the name of it, they haven't gotten any education about it. So what does it mean to just accept somebody in your heart? What, what, is that, what does that even mean? And so again, it's our responsibility to have the thing articulated in a fashion that we can actually educate somebody with the ultimate goal of leading them to accept Christ as their, as their Savior. So there was, this, there was this guy in this book here. His name is George. And uh, the author talks about the fact that George was eager to learn about spiritual matters. So that's good. That's a very positive thing here. They went to lunch at some seafood place and what have you. And, and uh, George there, when asked, announced that he's a Christian. He finally says, hey, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian here. One of the things that the author of the book noticed, though, he says, but so much of George's life indicated otherwise. Uh, and kind of even what he was saying there. He had been quickly led through a sinner's prayer. And let me just talk about that for just a second. We mentioned this a few weeks ago now, that you really can, in five minutes' time, if the Holy Spirit is working right, you can lead somebody in a sinner's prayer, you can see them come to know Christ, and you could see them in church for the rest of your life. I mean, that, that is how powerful God's Word and what the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life will, will look like. In a lot of cases, when you lead these people to Christ like that, it may be a seed that you've planted, but sometimes the, the, this, we, we talked about those grounds, those soils that the seeds land on. Sometimes those things wither away before they ever do anything. They get eaten up by the bird, right? Comes and snatches it away and what have you. But you, you can do it as long as the Holy Spirit is involved with it. So at the, at the end of this sinner's prayer that this guy said, and it was a fellow that had come to this George's house to visit with him. At the end of this, the, the guy says, all right, congratulations, now you're saved. And that was, that was it. George never got any discipling. George never went to church. George never did anything except thought he was saved. So later on, when he had come to this church and started asking some questions and got a hold of Tom Rayner, here, they went out to this dinner and everything, and he asked him, he says, when George was asked about what is meant for Jesus to be his Lord and Savior, here's what he said. Now listen to this, and this is kind of classic. It meant, I believe, that Jesus was one of the greatest men ever to live, and I should try to live like he did. Wow. Man, that's like exactly the, Jesus really was a great guy and everything, but that's not what gets you, believing that's not what gets you to heaven. By faith, believing on him as your Lord and Savior and that he is the way. He shed the blood. He's the guy that died on the cross. Here's what George didn't know anything about. George didn't know anything about repentance. He didn't know anything about faith. He didn't know 
that Jesus was the only way to salvation. The person who led him to Christ never told him about any of these things. All right? That he didn't need to work hard for salvation. It was a free gift. That salvation was a free he'd never, he'd never heard any of this kind of stuff. But after the discussion, George did understand about these things and got saved as a result of the conversation with Tom Rainer here, the guy that wrote this book. Here's another thing that you run into when it comes to our witnessing. The behavior of Christians embarrasses me. All right? Why are we embarrassed by other people's actions? Examples that they give here in the book. A Christian leader messes up sometime or another. You got things that come up. I'll never forget up in Ohio with all of the stuff going on during this big Catholic church scandal. There were these little things, you know, back on page E22 down in the lower right-hand corner, they'd say something about that. But then there was, a, there was a Baptist pastor in Cleveland, Ohio, that had an affair with somebody that was like on the, in the choir or something, or his secretary or something, right? That thing was headlined for the next week on, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I mean, that's all they talked about was this, was this guy because us Christians, we're held to the higher standard, right? We're never supposed to make any mistakes. We're never supposed to do anything wrong. But listen, don't let the mistakes of other Christians bog you down. So in this case here, uh, a Christian leader who's messed up. Yeah, we all mess up. Everybody messes up. So don't bog down in that. Don't start pointing fingers that I'm better than this person and it's just embarrassing to me. How about a Christian social media posting can be heated or just stupid? There's things like that. that this guy in here, he talks about the, the, this fellow that he was in this conversation with said something along the lines of, yeah, these the Christians go out here on the social media and they're just they're just retarded when it comes to posting stuff, particularly when they get into political discussions about things. Well, listen, we're not supposed to separate our Christianity from the politics. There are things that we need to do. There's things that we need to stand firm in our faith on when it comes to these political things. But man, don't get out there on Facebook and start writing all kinds of nonsense, particularly when, you're, when it goes along the lines of condemning other people because of their unbelief and that they're looking at the wrong thing and, and what have you. I personally, you know, I have my opinions about being a Christian and at the same time being a Democrat. I don't see how those two things line up directly with one another. As a matter of fact, it's beyond my imagination how that can work based on what they stand for. But here's where I give credit to, to them folks when I look at it. I go, they're probably old school Democrats. Used to be Democrats, pretty good people. <laughs> Nowadays, they're so far off on the other side of this equation, abortion 30 days after the baby's born. Think about that, folks. It's evil, good and evil. It's terrible stuff that's going on here. So you, but, but don't let that bog you down. We still have our testimony. We still have our responsibility to, to tell people about Jesus. Use them as an opportunity to illustrate, illustrate grace and forgiveness. Yeah, look what God does in all of our lives when we're sinners. We're sinners saved by grace, and that's the extent of it. And, uh, and so you can tell somebody. You can tell people, here's how it works with God. You're not held accountable for every stinking thing that you do. As a matter of fact, it was all forgiven at the cross. Amen. All right? Our own, sinful, our own sinfulness can hinder us from sharing our faith. Yeah, don't ever feel like you're so bad in God's eyes that you can't share your faith. 
we're, 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 we are, we're all, what does it say, a wretch, we're all wretched, that's what it says, something like that, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but listen, don't let that be a, don't let that be a stumbling block. And there was another little story about uh, Tom Rayner when he was working at a bank here, he got all frustrated one day at the bank and said a bunch of stuff to his employees and all that junk that proved to them that, yeah, this guy really is, he's as bad as we are. He used that to further his testimony at the, at the bank. Went in the next day, apologized for his, his uh, ill-conceived notions that he had there the day before, and at that point, he was, he was able to still operate with this thing. All right, there you go. Here's your personal challenge. I promised you a new one. By next Sunday school lesson, since I don't know that anybody's handing out too many of these things, try to hand out at least one track now if we're not doing three of them, and then try to get out there and be a personal witness for Christ with one person this week. Just listen, go out of your way. I want you to, see, when, when you're thinking about it, see my face going, go out of your way. Just go out of your way and try to tell somebody about it. Because I'd love to hear a story. I'd love to, I'd like, I'd, I want to see somebody come in with a black eye next week and say, hey, here's what I, here's what I did. Let me tell you this story. You know, folks, you got to get out there and start, and start doing this a little bit. Just test it out some, because here in not too many weeks, we're going to have uh, better Bridgeport Saturday, and we're going to go out, and I expect to be everybody to be. Some of you guys might already be. I've never been. We went, well, we went one time, but we, we do a lot on our own. I mean, we, we do a lot of uh, witnessing and telling people on our own. Any questions, comments, concerns? Because that's the end of lesson one. Next week, we are going to get started on just exactly what part of this gospel and how all that stuff should go and what we should tell folks. So we're out of time. We, we, there's people standing at the window back there again. So, Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Be with preacher as he brings us a message this morning. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you, folks. I appreciate you.